So in this week's show, we're going to be discussing the best movie ever made, the best-selling book that I don't know why he went, uh, I don't even know, like Pulitzer Prize and an Oscar and a Tony. Uh, it, I don't know why they didn't make it into a Broadway um, musical. It's it's the the movie and the book that rocked my world. Uh, can anybody guess what movie it is? Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> now Star Wars is turning into this um, thing. It's crazy how um, new age um, ideas have um, taken over the world. And, you know, there's there's religious people that say that Star Wars is, is symbolic of, I don't know what, related to Jesus. Maybe the Matrix is a better example, but... The shack is actually supposed to be about Jesus. It's supposed to be about Christianity. And it's not about that in any sense that is like like traditionally connected to it. So so we have on our show our our, our friend and, and ongoing um, spiritual uh, guide, uh, Joe Baylog. Um, he's helped us... Yes, uh, you're honorary uh, mystic because you've been on the show many times, and we talked about the priesthood, we talked about demons, we talked about um, veganism in the early church and and contemporary Christianity. We've talked about a, a wide range of topics, and I always wanted you to do a movie review with me. And this time, we're actually um, doing a movie that, it, that came out uh, a few years ago. I was like waiting for it to come out. I went onto the website and they had already bought the domain for it. And I'm like, when is the movie of the shack coming out? I can't wait to see how they make this story even worse than in the book. So, um, and they, they won me over by having one of my favorite so-called actors, uh, in the main role. Uh, this guy, he, they call him the new, um, William Chatner. But he's he's kind of like um, the, the type of, of of hero that everybody can identify with. Any movie that he's been in, I've watched, and it, he doesn't always pick the best movies. But he's he's a engaging guy. He's Sam Worthington, um, and uh, I think he did this movie as a favor to somebody because he usually can pick a little better movies. But before I keep disparaging the movie, we're just gonna get your initial thoughts. I I ask you, please watch this movie. Um, what was your initial reaction? Uh, and again, this is The Shack. It was uh, filmed in, or released in 2017 and is based on the book The Shack. And we'll go more about the author. Uh, we'll discuss more about the author and how he came up with the story. But what was your initial reaction when I asked you to check it out? And I don't know if you watched the trailer before you saw it or just went straight to the movie. It's uh, It's a pleasure to be back on the show. And uh, we have talked about so many different topics uh, over the years. It's been pretty, uh, what's the word? It's been pretty, we've done some pretty heavy analysis on different parts of religion, culture, Christianity in particular, social justice. And it's been a lot of fun. So it's good to be back. And uh, it was, uh, two, three weeks ago during Christmas. I was home 
well, at my parents' house and in Florida and was, you know, we were talking and then he were like, Hey, do you mind watching this movie? And I'm like thinking in my mind, I'm like, sure. Um, because my mom actually had read the book and she always had it on her shelf. And I remember one time looking at her shelf because I was always interested in books. I'm looking at her shelf and I see this book and I pick it up and start reading it. And she tells me, she gave me her opinion on it, which was, it's a decent book. It's a decent read, but like, there's a lot of problematic theology going on in there. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to skip that. And then I'm like, okay, so now I get the chance to watch the movie a little more uh, enjoyable. I grabbed some popcorn and just went straight onto Netflix. I started looking around. I'm like, how am I going to get this? Because um, my folks have Netflix, and but I was like looking on Hulu and other places. But eventually I found it, and oh, I bought it. I ended up buying uh, or my dad ended up buying it. I ended up putting it on his car and his, uh, his account. And then um, watched, you know, started that and got the first, I don't know, five minutes in and was thinking, I'm going to hate this. This is going to be really bad. It's going to be a really, like, B-movie, Protestant, Christian, like, trying to be the big picture, but they're still just making B-rated movies. And it's just going to be like really sappy and, and not a lot of content. And I you know, was paying attention to music and listened to uh, Christian rock music, Christian, uh, like modern pop music. And I liked a lot of this stuff. I listened to a lot of it in college and I like, you know, I still like some of the songs. Um, I think they still have really good messages. I think they're really catchy and technically interesting and so I was like, oh, the music's pretty, pretty good. The, the quality, the film quality is pretty decent. Um, it didn't look like one of these crappy B Hallmark movies where you're like, I know this is going to be really bad. Like I should be watching this with a beer and it should be two o'clock in the morning. Cause that's the only justifiable time to watch one of these. Um, but it wasn't, I was actually like, kind of pleased like oh this might be actually interesting I'd actually like it um so yeah that was my initial reaction was that this might be interesting I have some problems going on in the back of my mind with it about what other people have told me but I'm going to go into it with just a clean slate I'm going to keep my my mind open and just watch it and I started liking it like I said, I have a long history with this, uh, with the book, because I was forced to read it at Chaplin School, and I just, uh, it was torture for me because I'm very familiar with Christianity and I've read the Bible uh, through and through, and I don't like. I finally found out why he did what he did, but it just it, it came across as this like, hey. Um, let me throw a, a couple of things out there, things you haven't thought about, and let me like re um, re restructure things so it's more palatable for the modern audience. You know, if you watch, you know, late at night, they show these Christian movies and they have people uh, getting raptured or some other stuff, and sometimes they have good actors in them. Uh, I watched the one with. Um, Nicolas Cage, uh, the remake of uh, The Left Behind. 
And it it's crazy that the first lift behind was actually good. And then they decided to go with a bigger actor and they made it worse. And they actually took out most of the main components. So then they barely mentioned Christianity in it. And it was just this mystery, like, where did everybody go? And it's just, it was awful. So, um, so the shack is, is the story of, um, and they changed it in the movie. That, that also made me mad because the story was nonsensical to begin with. And then they made it even more strange. So it's this guy who his dad used to beat him, uh, back in a shack. He would take him out to the back to a shed and like beat the crap out of him. And they took that element out. I don't know. I guess they they felt that it was uh, child abuse or something in the movie. And they made it only about what we're going to get to. But so spoiler alert, uh, he um, he has like a bad relationship with that house and where he lived. And he grew up hating uh, father figure type of God idea. So you have to already come with the preconceived notions that there are some Christians that don't connect with the idea of God being a man or a father or something like that. And then he has his uh, country singer friend who tells him, hey, um, are you okay? And he's like having marital problems. And he gets a letter. His dad had died. And the letter says, hey, uh, meet me up at the shack. And in the mo- in the book, he's scared to go to the shack because that's where his dad used to beat him up. In the movie, he's scared to go to the shack because that's where his daughter was killed. And the daughter getting killed is part of the original story. And it's that's to me, that's the the best and the worst part of the movie and the book is that it actually has a compelling story of child abduction. But it feels exploitative because the child abduction becomes the avenue for him to reconcile with God. And as a parent, the, the worst nightmare is that your kid would disappear or be kidnapped by a murderer. And that's what the story is about. And then he builds up a case around that to um, have different revelations of, you know, God didn't mean for it to happen and just bad stuff happened. So it's kind of like the there was a rabbi who wrote a book called Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. It's kind of like that but with a bunch of other really strange theology and and imagery. So he goes on this journey and Jesus appears and then the Holy Spirit appears. But before that, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, God as as a vernacular lady shows up and they have pie. And it's just, it's like a bad, um, uh, Thomas Kincaid painting that gets turned into a movie. Uh, what do you think, Joe? There's a really bad Christian painter that paints cottages and and streets. Okay. Um, so I think that the whole storyline with well, first of all, I guess I'm I'm disappointed because in the book it sounds a little bit uh, a little more interesting to me. But the and and I, the reason why I say that is because the storyline of the man who's abused by his father and then 
has a an encounter with God through his through reconciling with himself of what happened is a more it, to me is a more engaging story than and than a one where he loses his daughter and then and that becomes uh, the the reason for his reconciliation and that's probably just because where I am uh, in my life not being a parent so I don't have the have the perspective of what it's like to be a parent as a child obviously um, but I noticed in the movie that that's where it started out and and it's like oh, okay that's where it's going to go it's going to be him coming to grips with his the reality of being abused by his father and now having to be a father and then there'll be he'll meet god and then he'll have a reconciliation with his dad which he did so that's there's another spoiler alert i just ruined the whole movie <laughs> and um and like there's kind of the 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 apex or whatever so i think i liked it, it was hard in the beginning you're watching him getting abused and then you're getting these flashbacks of his in his memory because in, in the whole beginning it's kind of this jarring coming to grips right with what is what's the setup here what's the what's the theme going to be there's the young him and the older him he's having a flashback and a dream to the younger him and so what it is is you see the trauma that he has experienced and that has affected him until he's until his adulthood and he's probably like in his 40s which i think is a really pertinent topic of conversation for today um not just because of the word trauma but because of the, the reality that it's about a man who is, has experienced trauma because of what happened to him as a kid in, in, in relationship to his father. It's not, I don't know, I haven't seen many stories that bring about that that reality that a lot of people. So I, I think that's an engaging story right there. So I was kind of hooked. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's going to happen. And that's what's going to develop. And it's going to be about that. And then when it became about him and his kids, so I was like, Okay, so he's grappling now with how to be a father since he was abused as a kid, but that's not really what it's about. It's not really about that until much later, and then it kind of brings it back around, but it wraps in. It becomes about, you know, they, they, they go to the whole experience of losing his daughter becomes the, uh, uh, what's the word, the, the apex or the... Uh, um, I'm trying to get my story arch. Oh, the, it's part of the story arch is the top of the story arch. And then after that, it starts going downhill after he meets God. And I thought the encounter with God that you were talking about, that's like Thomas Kincaid painting. There's something part of, there's a part of it that I really like. Like I really like this sense of home. Like God is this, this um, experience of family where everything is comfortable and everything is uh, well known and everything is familial. Uh, and then on the flip side of that though, I, so I'm sitting there and I'm at my family's house 
in watching this and my mom comes in from work she sits down she starts watching it with me and that scene comes up where he goes into the house and meets god for the first time and um and meets god and god as a as a woman and I'm sitting there and I'm going, do I say anything? Do I say, do I say something? This is just too funny because what's going on in my mind is I'm thinking, God, God's not a woman. God's, God's not a woman. So I just said it. And I'm like, yeah, God, that that would never happen. God's not a woman. And my mom goes back at me right away. She doesn't miss a beat. She's like, God is neither male nor female. God has no sex. I'm like, oh, correct. So that that was that conversation shut down very quickly. But then what immediately my next thought was something much worse than that. And was like, uh, once they, the scene entered them. So the woman is black and they go in to the kitchen and they're cooking and or she's cooking and they're having this profound conversation. And all my mind I'm thinking is they wanted I like what you said better, but I'm going to say what I said because whatever. I thought they portrayed God as Aunt Jemima. Like this is a sort of 1950s representation of what God would be like. But you would never, in the 1950s version, you would never see a white man with the black woman in the house, except if she was his maid. So that's kind of strange. So but it's kind of this juxtaposition of, like you said, the Thomas Kincaid. So it's this 1950s sort of pastoral, sort of this throwback. People don't live in these perfect situations unless it's, um, it's almost kind of a reflection of his life because it's a nice house. It's got all this nice stuff. But um, I just thought that it was interesting that it was his first encounter, his first real conversation with God, because he, uh, God is uh, represented by three people. So the the Christian Trinity in each person has a unique personality and that's represented both in their gender and in their, and just in how they talk and how they act in their, their personality traits. And they, he's with the black woman who's older in the kitchen and they're having this very profound conversation about his relationship with his, with his daughter. And then also God's sort of reflecting back to him about his conversation. So God's conversation with his son, who's supposed to be Jesus, but he's, he, see, I just give it away. He is a, a, a woman. So it's kind of like this is the, the relationship the they would have in my mind in this sort of cultural setting of this hallmark card 1950s uh, setting wouldn't make sense like in the 1950s it wouldn't make sense in that culture so it was interesting but you find out later in the movie why they portrayed um they portrayed god as a woman at first of course because he had a bad relationship with a man and he happened to be white. And so now you have um, like an Oprah-like um, character who's who's sweet and who's um, very nurturing. 
And that's fine. I actually have no problem with God being portrayed as a woman if it's done in the in an appropriate way. Like in the sense of um, there are many um, metaphors for God in the Bible and some of them are feminine. Uh, so most people don't know that. So there's this idea that, like your mother said, uh, God has no gender because he's a spirit, but there are characteristics of both males and females that reflect the, the person of God. So um, so having a, uh, a person depicting God who, who has those positive qualities is great, but in the culture that we live in, it's, um, everything is super politicized and super um, obvious that you pick things that are controversial or that throw people off and then suddenly you have a, a bestseller because you are drawing attention or you're, you know, you're the, the lone um, maverick who's who's willing to do that. But again, it just goes back to the exploitative element of it. Um, I see um, the way he depicts God as a, almost a caricature uh, as compared to a, a well-written character who has um, like a personality. Like you said, um, Aunt Jemima is a stretch because that's that's a, like an actual cartoon or, um, or fake character, but someone who people assume that um, someone from that ethnic group or that from that gender would be a certain way. Um, I know there's people who are hateful and they would assume the worst about pers- people from certain races, but, and also same thing about women. Like uh, I think for men, like the initial reaction is like, you know, my God is not a woman. And some people say, well, that's actually very sexist. And, and um, disrespectful to women, but it's more that people have grown up with certain imagery. And what I tell people is that the Bible picks certain imagery on purpose, because the moment that you start depicting God as something different, it becomes a different God. And one of the battles that the God of the Bible had in uh, in the culture of that time was that they had two other deities they were depicted as fertility gods and one was the masculine element of the phallus and the other one was the feminine uh, element of fertility and they were supposed to work together to bring about uh, crops and stuff like that so the Israelites had a, a different depiction of God that had nothing to do with sexuality but some people have seen as very masculine and very dominant but not in every case. And some of the names of God are actually nurturing and loving. So you could actually see feminine uh, attributes related to God. I have a problem with God being depicted as a human to begin with. But this thing of portraying the Trinity as three different people. And and the people are, again, not fully developed. And it's, it was the way I described it. And I hope I don't offend anybody. I... I called the shack the book um christianity for dummies in a dumb way i don't know if you ever seen the movie lovely bones lovely bones is also a best-selling book and my wife read the book and it's very emotional because it's about uh, a young lady that was killed by by a rapist and uh, 
when you watch the movie, the the girl goes to heaven, and heaven is like a cartoon. There's like a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a Care Bears style movie, uh, vi Vision of Heaven. And I feel that the shack and the book does the same thing, where they portray Jesus in a silly way, they portray God the Father in a silly way, they portray the Holy Spirit in a silly way. Like everything is is made. Um, the the real word is um, like almost um, it's, again. It's like a caricature. Like you you're trying to depict very deep, very complicated theological ideas in the most simple Americana way, and actually you do a disservice to the religion because now uh, you're trivial trivialized something that is that is a a, a very heartfelt belief that people have and it comes from a, like a very ancient tradition so if you're trying to get people excited about jesus and modern day america the worst thing that you can do is make jesus into the buddy jesus from dogma and the pal that that you never had and the the mom that that you never experienced and the mystical spirit that everybody wants to connect with so it's like it's, it's like mixing uh, American secularism with uh, Hinduism, with uh, secular yoga and, and Bud American Buddhism to try to make it palatable, and actually it has no flavor. That's funny that you say that because I was kind of thinking somewhat similarly, but also somewhat differently. So with the the one that sticks out in my mind, I guess, right away is the the Holy Spirit, who the person who plays the Holy Spirit, right? So she's an Asian woman, and there you see like this epitome of they picked an Asian woman to play the spirit. You know, it's like that was a a straight call to Eastern philosophy and Eastern religion and Eastern way of thought because it's she talks about. And, and I know it's hard not to give away much of the movie, but um, she is, there's a, a scene where they go out into a garden and the garden is just, it's very, it, it's organized, but it's, um, it's like permaculture. It's a, there's spirals. There's all these different colors and all these different types of plants. It's very beautiful. But at one point, um, the main character says, this is a mess. And the spirit says, the, the woman playing the spirit says, this is your mess. And this is your life. Um, and they, they do some, they work in the garden together. And it's through this experience of work that he is uh, refreshed and rejuvenated for the next sort of step in his journey. It just struck me that it's sort of like something from Milan, um, the kids' movie, or something that you would see in, um, I would say, like in some Chinese culture, you have these very, I can't think of the right word for this, in Chinese culture, where you have a very, an organized um, garden structure. Everything is, or everything is together and organized, but it's all about the spirit, and it's all about. Um, well, Qi is one. There's many different Asian religions. 
she gives him sort of these sort of wispy, sort of emotional answers to his deeply, you know, profoundly, um, profound struggle. And it's sort of like just, it's sort of like casting um, Chinese proverbs at him and the things that she says. And they use scripture, they throw in, uh, what's the word, hints, hints from scripture in, in the way that they, little phrases and the way they say things. And that, those are, you know, they catch my attention. And, um, but in such a way that they're said in such a way, so she, she says in such a way, they're just so casual, which is like, you know, that's, I mean, that's America. But it's casual in the most, like, this is the really the wrong time to be casual about this. And there's, they put in all this music to try to make it more grand and more, um, uh, profound sense of word, make it more grave, but it doesn't really have that. It, it, it doesn't really quite catch that effect. Um, but so my point was uh, casting, casting an Asian woman to play the spirit it's pretty atypical like that. You could see that coming <laughs> philosophically. If you want to do a study of religions, the concept, especially now in America, like, just like you said, I agree with new age philosophy, which is not even real philosophy, but new ageism is a, um, is a hearkening. Everyone's going back, rushing East to go try to find wisdom and there she is and she looks um, like someone from a Jackie Chan movie so which is fine but I get to go back to the wisdom part the um, wisdom comes in later in the film and it's also played by women which in that case scripturally speaking that's more accurate which I think you would agree with me because multiple times in scripture you have um, you have wisdom being referred to as a woman. So, uh, and then, I mean, a lot could be said about Jesus and the casting of Jesus. As, uh, I think he's Lebanese, the actor. He's Israeli. Oh, Israeli. I can't believe they actually Israeli to do it. That was a home run um, when I found out. Like, I actually gave up on the movie because I already knew how it was going to end. Uh, Sam Worthington couldn't save it for me. Yeah, because he was, he's been in a lot of movies that I like, so, you know, I was like, okay, I'll give it a chance, and I actually, somebody gave me a poster of the movie, and I lost it, so I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of the movies that I review, and it was just, uh, cringe, I was cringing through the whole story, and you know what really ruined it for me, like, looking up the author, I knew that he had been through a lot of difficult stuff, but finding out what, what happened right before he wrote the book, really like ruin everything for me would you like me to tell you so so for my for our audience um this is like this is what happens when when people um suffer abuse and then they 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 try to find solace in very shallow forms of, of spirituality so his parents were missionaries i believe in australia and over there, they put kids in boarding school. 
So I guess while the parents are busy talking to the natives, the kids are uh, in military-style school, and it turns out that some of the people who take care of the kids are rapists, and they they sexually assaulted the, him as a child. So he grew up with a lot of resentment to his parents for putting him in that situation, to the camp counselors for, for what they did to him. And it's just a very horrible thing to go through. Um, but he was still involved with Christianity. I guess somebody helped him realize that people are the ones that cause the sinful behavior and the destructive stuff, and that it's not God or the institution that is at fault. And uh, in in this show, we actually hold people accountable and we come after people who do that kind of stuff uh, because it's really easy to say, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with the religion. It's, it's the people that are corrupting. And it's like, if it happens uh, often enough, then there's something wrong in the way that it is being interpreted or understood. So uh, he gets married and he happens to have an affair with uh, his neighbor or some, some lady that they knew who's they were friends with the husband too. And then um, he was hiding it uh, for a long time. And then he finally came to terms with it and came out and, and it all blew up in his face. So I think that all this turmoil that he had from his experience as a child, from his experience as an adult, um, all that was what was wrapped up in the story. So I'll give him that, that it's a very honest story because um, maybe not the specifics of what happened to him are there, but the overall um, emptiness and resentment against God for allowing things to happen, the sense of, of confusion, um, of making poor decisions and being um, and struggling with, with the images of God that we've been told growing up. All that stuff is there, and so I, I would agree with the the Dove Association that gave it a, an award for the most inspirational film of 2017, just on those terms. But the the storyline, the the writing, the the fleshing out of the stuff is very poor, and but it became a uh, it, it took like a year for it to become a hit. Because a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people felt connected to the character. So among Christians, um, even though it's a very controversial book because it talks about God in non-traditional ways, it uh, it had the emotional component and, and that's where um, I feel in America religion has become more of an emotional and, um, you know, watered down version of it, the original thing but it you know you can't blame uh things being like that and i don't want to come off as judgmental because religion is very complicated and it's almost like you studied for many years and you still can't wrap your head around it and it's it's just layers and layers and layers and historical things and theological so for the common folk it, it is um a synthesis of questions that we all have. The problem is the conclusions and the answers that he comes up with. Because like I told a friend of mine, you can debate people all day long, but if you have nothing to give them, then better you should shut your mouth and not 
pick that fight. So, so my fear is that you read that book and you end up more confused and more, um, I, I emailed one of our guests, um, the thinking atheist and I asked him, Hey, you want to, uh, can I come on your show? You're come on mine. And we talk about the shack. And he's like, I never heard of that story. So, well, you should hear about it because the title of the episode, I want to call it the shack made an atheist out of me. So uh, I'll explain that, but I want to get uh, your perspective on all the other things I've said. I think that uh, there's a great deal of truth in what you said of things being watered down. And it's just a very emotional movie. And it's, that's how it is. And, uh, an emotional time to be a human being, to be alive. You know, and that's kind of, that's kind of how things are right now. And uh, this is 2017 when the movie came out, right? So this is before Trump. You know, this is right after, right after. And then everything that was going on with um, the, the protests and the women's movement and the uh, Catholic Church abuse scandals ongoing and um, it, it's stuff going on in the Middle East that's always going on. And so I think it's pretty normal to be emotional um, now in, in this age. And, and I think that the, the movie just showed this man's emotional journey from from the beginning of getting emotionally abused by his father and then getting the emotional turmoil of uh, raising kids. And then you see, and when he goes to church with his family on Sunday, his lack of, you know, obviously his wife even says to himself, like my, if my wife wasn't, didn't want to go or you know there's a one that his daughter uh who dies she asks him a question a, a religious question and he thinks about it for a few seconds and then he says like uh, he says like you don't have to ask mom when she comes back and that's a a that's a typical response for for guys <laughs> For men, uh, and I, and I think that's pretty uh, normal. Now, and and then his emotional journey, I mean, the whole thing of getting abducted into another world. I mean, he was going to back to the shack to go find the person who killed his daughter to go seek vengeance and revenge, and instead he finds an Israeli guy walking through the woods who looks like. And it's winter time, and it looks like he just came from the seashores of um was of the Dead Sea, so it's like it's it's very bizarre, and he goes on this he he enters into this magical sort of Alice in Wonderland adventure where he goes down the rabbit hole of his past with three people who are supposed to represent God and for the the next sort of three days, he descends into all of the emotional questioning and despair and angst and, and resentment and bitterness and anger 
and tries to sort out all of his his sorted past that's all because of stuff that's just happened to him i mean that wasn't his fault none of it was his fault you know his dad abused him so he suffered traumatic experience he had psychological trauma that turned into that he was somehow i think the miracle and i was thinking about this and i was thinking what am i going to say about this movie and i was trying to think like what is what's kind of the one of the takeaways and i think one of them is it's a it's a flipping miracle that the guy was able to get married have to a beautiful wife it was also and it was interesting that she was in that movie but so as an actress but she's beautiful she's healthy she's normal and she's also extremely strong self-confident and that comes out in the movie multiple times during his crisis uh, and then able to have three kids raise them he's obviously working he has a nice house and they're going on vacation you know his life is in order and then all of a sudden they're going on a camping trip his kid his teenage son starts drowning so he goes in to save him and then while that's happening his kid gets abducted you know like that's not none of that is his fault (laughs) it's like uh, all this that uh i don't know all all this chaos of the struggle and then all of a sudden he gets this weird note and decides for himself that i'm going to go do something about it to even where he tricks his friend which is interesting um interesting part to me and then just decides to go along with it it's kind of strange i don't know to go along with this israeli guy and go on this magical journey down the rabbit hole and see what happens and it's very very emotional and then it's also um the the point of it being a a time in society when people were very much in need of something like this, like this story makes sense. (laughs) In In some way it makes sense. People gravitate towards this, that it's a, it's a real, it's it's a real story about something that could happen because it's, it's the stuff of, of life that is, just happened to him as a kid and how do you handle it and how do you handle these questions and how do you handle this emotional baggage that you carry with you for so long and then it gets piled on by the loss of your kid and then crisis and then what do you what do you do with that where you where you go with that when there's there's just so there's been so much going on i guess is my point in the last um 10 years that i'm i'm young I'm only 30, so don't know a lot. And I think that the gravity of the movie, of the subject matter, made it made it palpable, made people able to want to go and, and try to eat something and, and get fed by it. Because there is something there. It's just, like you said, it's just covered. <laughs> Looking at the Thomas Kincaid, it, there's just, there's a, there's a, a mask of this lightness and this, um, this, child i don't want to say childishness because i don't want to be offensive to to the makers because it's i mean i've never made a movie um but there's something that's sort of a i don't know like you said it's it's like it's not 
religion is, like you said, religion is so complex. To be able to try to get to the heart of it and to be able to portray that in a film within an hour and a half with the the right people and the right amount of uh, energy and emotional force and then the right music and then the right, you know, light and all the other things that go into it. I can just, I can hardly imagine how difficult that would be. So I don't, I guess I don't think that it's, it, it makes sense to me that it's emotionally drawing to people and then that that emotional energy that has to be in it because there's just so much kind of going on so much to uh to open up there that the emotions are going to come out too so and i think for me it was a a good a good thing to <laughs> well here now I'm, now i'm playing the part in the movie where he's standing before wisdom and is told to sit in the judgment seat and decide the uh, the fate of his kids, which is pretty profound. But I think that um, it was a a good a good reminder of maybe why I didn't read the book. <laughs> um, I mean, I like the I like the the storyline, the plot, you know, and having a, a way for me to be able to understand if only a little bit, what it might be like to have been abused and then um, to come to grips with that in a spiritual way and in a, in a prayerful way and in a conversation with God sort of way. And I, I think that's, that's important for me to get the other perspective and the outside perspectives and the experiences of other people that I don't have. Um, and the, other takeaways about it being uh, it, it, <clears throat> the part about judgment is pretty pretty good. Pretty profound. Kind of struck me. I was like paying attention at that part because it was um, it was then that all this thought that goes into how do I judge myself in relation to others in the world, and what do I think is good, and how do I judge as good as far as what people do, what other people do, and what they say, and how they act. How do I, how do I judge that? Because I do, and so what do I, what do I do with that? And in the film, they have the representation of of wisdom as a woman, and she puts him on the spot, and he sits on the throne, and she tells him that okay, now if you are going to be the decider, and you're going to say what is good and bad and evil, then you can sit on the throne of wisdom, and you can judge. And she shows him all the people, all these different um, pictures of the world of of wars and throws out the most catastrophic uh, human catastrophes, to, to double say myself, that have happened and said, now you judge, was this good or bad? Was this evil? Should these people be killed? Should they be murdered? Um, you know, should we punish these people? And then at the end of this sort of generic philosophical moral uh, argumentation of, you know, should Hitler be killed? Would that have been better for humanity? Um, these very commonplace academic uh, arguments of, of trying to rationalize morality that he she, she puts in front of him his two kids who are still alive, and he already knows that the other one has passed, obviously. But um, they show more into that movie. But then he stands before them and she says, now I want you to decide between one of them 
is going to go to heaven and the other one's going to go to hell because you have to decide which one is good and which one is bad. And that's where they're going to go. And you have to pick because you're wisdom and that's what you do. You decide where people go, what happens to people when things get done. So he sits there and he's looks there and he says, I can't decide that. You can't make me do this. And she says, you have to decide you're on the throne. This is what you do. And he says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And she says, okay, if you can't do it, you know, um, she says, no, you have to come down and you have to make a decision. And he says, I won't do it. I won't do it. And then after another five seconds, kind of drawn out scene. But then he says, take my place instead of them. I will go for one of them. And it's at that moment, you realize like the moral argumentation sort of falls apart. And the, there's a silent pause and she looks at him and then she's like, I will go in their place. Pick me, pick me. And she says, okay. I pick you. And then she says, well, now you understand that in order for, I guess, in order for love to work, you have to put yourself in their place, in their shoes. And he, and she said, oh, now you know how God feels. That, And and then obviously all the people who read scripture, they're immediately going back to John 3.16. You know, God to love the world. And then, so God to love the world, they gave his only... And, and then it's a, that's like a profound moment, but they don't, it, it happens. And then the two kids disappear. And then she's like, and now you can understand and now you can go and they sort of move on from that point. But I think that for me, that was the more interesting part of the movie was seeing the link between the father and son. And then later how he reconciles with his own dad in this weird, bizarre, sort of psychedelic, sort of, uh, would have been like a techno, a great place for like a techno concert, because it's all these like, very, like these like LED lights glowing in the background and people are all glowy. So he's supposed to be in like heaven and there's everybody and his dad comes up to him and he's like an LED, like an LED rainbow. <laughs> like, this is great. This is like, put on some pop music in the back. But, um, and they have this reconciliation, they hug and everything and he has this great relief and like that's to me like that's that if i would read the book i probably i probably i can't read the book anymore because i probably just criticize it too much it'd be like that's and i i I can't understand the child part so for me it's like that's the part that 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 gets me and i'm like that that's you know scripturally speaking since i'm like the christian guy so like scripturally speaking like that's the thing is like the relationship between the father and the son and the protestant churches have known this for a long time or like they've been coming back around to this whole idea. You see this like, remember in college, you see this resurgence of these books on the father-son healing the father wound. Um, the father-son relationship, you have these talks and, and people writing more about it. And it's like this re-discovery uh, of within scripture, the importance of the father-son relationship between Jesus and God the Father. And then also how that applies to every young boy and every man and you have all these books in this psychological analysis and it's moved into psychotherapy and it's it's being talked about in these different domains so it's really interesting to see that and maybe that's part of partly why that was good timing for them to make the movie when they did was because of the that increase in, in awareness of this reality theme so what everybody hates is the person who tell you they have all the answers. 
and, and that's why the, the author of this book comes out so pedantic to me. How the heck does he know that someone has the capacity or the ability or even the right to forgive a murderer like that? Like, maybe he can forgive the people who attacked him when he was little. But that's a lot to ask, to to put that on everybody. It's like, oh, you're not a good Christian unless you forgive Hitler and every, um, you know, serial killer that existed. And you just got to be a loving person and understand that if God can love them, you should love them too. And it's like, come on, man. Like, get a grip. To demand that from people, first, you're, you're demanding for them to believe what you believe regarding God and the expressions of God. Now you're asking them to be all forgiving and all understanding. And that if you don't do that, you're a bad person. And then that God is the only one that can judge people. And even if they do the most gruesome things, you need to leave that up to God. So what this movie and this book really show is that platitudes cannot solve all the world's problems. If you tell people, talk about Hallmark. If you tell people... You know, everything happens for a reason or um, you got to learn to forgive. That's like the worst thing you can tell someone who's going through suffering. And they might not ever have the ability or the desire to forgive people like that. Or So it's just you wrap it all in a little bow and say, okay, it's all figure out here. I take a bite out of it. It's like I don't want to and I think it's ludicrous. As much as I would want to like extend compassion and understanding and for the sake of interfaith religious dialogue, okay, you know, show me what you got. I think that it is it's very um, short-sighted to try to like resolve all of world's problems. What's funny is that where's the sequel? The reason he, there's no sequel is because he threw in everything, including the kitchen sink in the first book. It's like. If he, he would have paced, if he was a real author, he would have said, hey, maybe on this book I'm going to talk about, you know, healing the wounds with my dad. And then the next one I'm going to talk about how would someone react if their kid was brutally murdered. And then on the next one I'm going to talk about, um, you know, making peace with the elements or, or whatever or the indigenous um, mistreatment or something. Like, there's just so many things that he's trying to, to do. And it's kind of like Star Wars. If you don't develop the characters, if you don't flush it out, it just seems like um, highlights. What about this? And what about that? What about this? And what about that? And like some people have that issue with the latest Star Wars. Is there's just too many unfinished concepts and none of them were, were fully addressed. So then you try to like wrap it up real quick and you leave people like hanging. I think that the book, that would be my challenge to, to the book and the movie is like, if you're going to bring up the judgment seat and you're going to bring up how to deal with aggressive people and abusive people, let's like really discuss the issue. Let's not give me the answer before I even had a chance to think about it. And I think that's what is drawing people away from religion because they try to make everything very simple and case closed or everything is a slam dunk. Uh, and it's like there are issues that are so complex that even if you struggle with them for years you can still not make sense of them to to borrow from christian language you you're having the author pastor you like guide you through the maze of of life and, and the challenges of life and then you come out wanting because it's like who's this guy to tell me that 
this one approach is the correct one or not the other. And then the people who attacked this book because they thought it was too liberal or too, they're doing the same thing that he's doing. They're all pontificating on what's the appropriate way to depict God or the appropriate way to look at things. And it's like both sides are too stuck in their ways. Like Art is supposed to be an approach that can be reinterpreted and understood in many ways. The problem with trying to make religion expressed through an artistic thing is that you're taking away the the ability for the reader or the looker to be able to process it. You're giving them the answers instead of letting them dwell on the questions. If you dwell on the questions, then you come up with your own answers and you come up with something that is satisfying. But the problem with didactical religious movies such as Left Behind and this one is that you're trying to lay out a, a very complex narrative with all the dots that have to be uh, addressed so then you satisfy other religious folks and you make God happy because you're making a, a religious movie. It turns into like propaganda because it doesn't give people enough space for them to breathe and to uh, really process it. But now it sounds like a lot of responsibility. I don't <laughs> But now that's a good that's a good point. If I write a I guess if I write a book I shouldn't uh shouldn't try to solve all the world's problems. And you you know what? That's that's a really good point. That's a that's a lot. That's a, that was a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of stuff to try to do and to try to fix in one uh one book, one two hour movie. And it doesn't it uh doesn't really work like that, I guess. I mean, I don't know, you know, in my own experience it's like that's getting any kind of healing and, and working on a relationship uh with anyone, I mean that takes a lot of time and it doesn't it requires a lot of work. So I think that's something that I'm just learning. It's it's not as simple as I'd like it to be. Maybe it's not so helpful to have these boiled down, or watered down, watered down. That's the word, watered down. Watered down versions of what real life is like for all to display, for display and in entertainment. Maybe it should be, should is a weird word. But um, I think it, it, it might be better to have things that are, are film art and it's a little more substantive when it comes to, or meaty, when it comes to issues of real life, especially like child abuse, loss of your daughter, and your relationship with God. Thank you, Joe. It's always good to have you on the show. Thank you for your wisdom and for your analysis. Um, one day before I die, I'm going to make a movie, and it might not be a religious movie, but it'll be something worthwhile. And I guess I can have you as an advisor to make sure that uh, we, we can connect the, with the millennials. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of The Mystic and the Skeptic. We would like to thank Radio Free Nashville for their technical guidance and assistance. Please visit us on Facebook or Buzzsprout where you can find our previous shows and an archive of all of our programs. We're also available on mysticandskeptic.wordpress.com for more information, 